Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, presented by the tech doctor, Ronan Leonard. Hi, welcome to this fitness podcast. Today I'm in PwC talking with Jens Valkowski. How are you doing, Jens? Hi, morning, one. Very well, thank you. Good. Now, first of all, tell me a bit about what you do in PwC. So I work in our advisory business and specifically um, we're helping finance functions to um, do their job better and so add greater value to the business. So that could be, you know, helping with technology, helping with the data, improving the processes. Sometimes that takes a form of so holistic overhauls of finance functions. Yeah. Sometimes it's more point solutions or things like automation, for example. And how long have you been doing this? So for quite a while, actually. So I started in consulting about 20 years ago. So yeah. uh, I've been with PwC for over 15 years now and in Ireland uh, for four years. And I guess through those years, you've seen a lot of changes in technology and how business is done. Oh, tremendous, tremendous changes. I mean, even if you look only five years back, for yeah. example, the changes, particularly in technology that have come on stream, you know, are tremendous. Um, if you think about things like, you know, cloud solutions, obviously, the whole automation and artificial intelligence, if you think about deployment options for technology, all of this has changed a lot. And clearly there are implications for many businesses and in particular for finance as well. I can think when you started back, you probably used, using a smartphone a bit like a BlackBerry. When you got email and that, Email was limited. Nowadays, you can have attachments and go to websites, do different things you couldn't do before. Exactly. I mean, a lot of things have become a lot more efficient, if you like. A lot yeah. of processes can be more efficient. Yet, uh, whilst there's a lot of technology enablement and a lot of potential out there, in reality, we still see a lot of old-fashioned processes uh, and promises data and so forth. Maybe because they work best and uh, they don't need to be changed that much? Yeah, maybe that's that, but there's also often, uh, you know, a reluctance to change or a reluctance to overcome barriers of change. Um, adoption of technology is, you know, it's not easy, as, uh, as, as you well know. Yeah. Um, so sometimes there's an inertia to actually get on with the new things that can create some value. I guess at times somebody's scared to move something new because they like what they're used to. No, absolutely. And often it's a mindset as yeah. well. I mean, particularly finance, they tend to be quite conservative folks, yeah. you know, and change doesn't often come naturally to, to finance people. So yeah. it does a bit of that. Yeah, because yeah, I guess in finance, if you're an older person, it's hard for them to get used to embrace new technology. Whereas if you're younger, you're more willing to do this. No, absolutely. And we see this in our organization as well. So PwC every year gets a lot of graduates in, you know, we have the millennials, etc. And just their innate capability to, uh, to adopt technology and do something with it, uh, it's much greater. It's a generational thing. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's not an excuse for the older generation, maybe, uh, you know, not to adopt technologies. Right. Now, can you tell me a bit more about the PwC ACCA research that you released late last year? Yeah. So what we basically did was we... Um, we worked with a number of, uh, quite a large number actually, of finance professionals across the globe uh, using surveys, workshops and interviews. And we asked them basically, what do you think the future of finance will look like? So we asked them a few specific questions around three main areas. Yeah. So one being around data and technology, second being around the skills that the future finance professional might need, and the third one around the organization and the culture of, yeah. of finance. And uh, so we asked them things like, do you think that you know, decisions will be made in real time? And if yes, at what time frame? Yeah. We asked them things around, okay, do you think the role of the CFO will go away or drastically change? Um, we asked them things like, you know, what skills do you think you know, finance will need in the future? And um, so through surveys, we had about 1,100 or so participants in this. We had you know, a series of global workshops. Yeah. Um, and there are some interesting themes coming out of that. Um, so some surprising, maybe maybe more, more so than some others. 
Um, <clears throat> so if I maybe go through two or three of the key findings yeah. of that. Yeah. Please do that. So, so one of the findings was around data uh, and information, and one of the questions we asked there was, well, do you think that decisions will be made in real time or closer to real time, you know, using data that are yeah. readily available at all times? Now, that was probably the area that got the most consensus yeah. uh, from the participants. So about 82% or so of everybody thought, yeah, that absolutely, that, that will happen. And there was a bit of discrepancy in what time frame people thought that might happen, but about two-thirds thought within the next so, three years or so, you know, decisions will largely will be made yeah. in real time. So that was probably the first sort of area. The, the second area, um, and that was maybe one of the most surprising ones, was around how comfortable otherwise finance feels with the changes that go on in a bigger business environment. Now, um, actually, interestingly, about half of the, the respondents there told us that uh, they don't see a drastic change in skills requirements coming up for the next three or yeah. five years or so. And that's a little bit surprising. If you think about some of the technology changes we mentioned earlier, some of the changes in the bigger business yeah. environment. Um, so that could indicate that finance on the whole probably still largely a little bit in their own shell. And, mm -hmm. you know, one of the themes that came through from the workshops and discussions was around a closed mindset yeah. of finance. So will finance get out of their shell and actually proactively engage with the business? Or are they happy just to carry on churning through the numbers every month? <clears throat> then the, the third sort of key finding was probably, um, again, a fairly interesting one around uh, a geographical spread yeah. of opinions. Um, what happened there was that the, say, the developed more Western European countries on the whole were a lot more conservative in the outlook than the, uh, say, the Asian countries. Yeah. So one of the questions we asked, for example, do you think finance, the finance function, will be virtual in the future? By that we mean, do you think the traditional structures of teams, etc., at the center of an organization, they effectively dissipate and finance acumen will get absorbed into the business areas? Um, now, it's quite interesting because in uh, particular in an island in the UK, the outlook was very conservative. So about 80% um, uh, or so thought that's not going to happen immediately, mm -hmm. uh, certainly not within the next five years or so. Whereas in China, about 50% thought, yes, that will happen very quickly. <clears throat> Another related question we asked, what do you think about the role of the CFO? Do you think the CFO as a role will drastically change or maybe even maybe even disappear. And again, um, about so two-thirds or so thought that uh, that's not likely to happen so in, in Western Europe, whereas in, uh, in, in Asia and so forth, the um, people thought it will. So Malaysia, I think 60% said you know, it's likely to happen uh, in, the, in the medium sort of term future. So behind that, there are probably a few few trends. Yeah. There could be demographic trends, there could also be cultural trends. You know, I mean, Asia is you know, well known for embracing technology change often quicker and yeah. more aggressively. Um, you did mention a generational aspect yeah. of it as well, as well. And there's probably also an element of um, just being at, a little bit at the fringe of, of uh, Western Europe, I guess. Maybe some of the, maybe some of the trends haven't really caught on yet. Um, yeah. And then specifically, if you look at the Irish market, the Irish market is an interesting one in that you have almost like two markets with the foreign direct investment and the multinationals being here. Uh, and they often pick up on the trends very quickly. And then you have maybe the more indigenous companies that are sometimes a bit slower to, uh, to uh, adopt the technologies. Yeah, and I guess also I'm thinking basically about uh, AI and machine learning. Is that going to change how a modern finance leader uh, does, does their job? 
Yeah, it's an interesting question. And I think there are probably two, two ways to look at this. Um, so one is if, if you're in a business where artificial intelligence is, is key to the business model. Say, for instance, if you're in medical imaging yeah. and you're using AI to you know, so classify images with regards to cancer and others, then clearly one of your core products will be enabled by AI. And as a finance person, you need to understand the costs, the benefits, the implication, yeah. the pricing, and all that good stuff. That's probably a smaller group. For, for the majority of finance functions, looking at finance processes, um, we see actually more automation than yeah. artificial intelligence. So automation has, has caught on a lot over the last few years. And uh, I think the potential is you know, probably up to 50% or so we think of finance processes can, can be automated. So it's more RPA you know, and, and, and IPA, um, rules-based automation and so forth. And finance obviously lends itself to that. What we don't see so much yet are use cases for artificial intelligence. Yeah. Although we can actually can think about where they might come from. So if you think about forecasting, for example. Yeah. And obviously, AI is very good at spotting patterns and using data to predict, et cetera, and prescribe maybe even. Um, so forecasting, cash forecasting, you know, tax exposure, that sort of thing. There, there are certainly use cases there, yeah. and some organizations you know, look into that. But that really is the exception. So um, I think the changes to the finance function, finance processes, again, probably come largely from automation and a big change actually from coming from self-service of data and reporting. So if you think about how much time finance functions typically spend on producing reports and sending them out to the business and so forth, now a lot of that will be, uh, if not automated, then enabled by self-service. So people in the business and the business partners out there, they just sort of, you know, do effectively the work that finance used to do. Yeah. So there will be a change, and there already is a change in, in the workload and the work pattern uh, of finance functions. Is that a good or a bad thing? I think, uh, by and large, it's, it's a good thing. Yeah. Because, A, it enables finance to um, think about the numbers and contextualize and interpret them rather than producing them. Mm-hmm. So that adds greater value to the business. Um, it does create probably more interesting workplace for finance as well. In that, you know, rather than churning the numbers, it can be quite, you know, uh, can be quite mundane and yeah. often not very inspiring. Um, they actually work with the business and have the conversations and become a bit of a sort of negotiator around the business and so forth. So the actual work and career paths for finance professionals could be a lot more interesting uh, and will be a lot more interesting. We think. Um, the flip side, of course, is that implies some change. Yeah. And as we mentioned earlier. Change can be uncomfortable and can be a challenge yeah. for people. So, um, you know, there's a bit of both, but on, on the whole, I think it's, it's actually good news. Yeah. yeah, and talking about change, how does a modern finance leader embrace technology and not be worried about their job? Yeah, that's a good question. So, I think <clears throat> maybe the first point to make there is, uh, is an acceptance that, that things will change. Yeah. As per our research, there's probably still a little bit of, you know, sort of maybe reluctance to accept how quickly things are changing and then the necessity to. To, uh, to accept that. So I think that is probably the first point, you know, wholeheartedly, you know, embrace, embrace that change and be clear that new skills, new capabilities, new technologies will all be part of, of, the, uh, of the answer. Um, the second thing then is to think about, okay, you know, what's actually the, what's actually the purpose of, of finance? What does finance, you know, want to be or should be within a business, yeah. which will be more around the communicator, the negotiator, the broker maybe between business, you know, bringing the deep understanding that finance often has of the business, um, and uh, you know, then sort of enabling enabling the business business partnering. Um, so I think there are probably two two aspects to uh, to finance looking forward and being proactive and coming out yeah. a little bit out of their shell. A big aspect for finance leaders will be around um, the ability to participate and drive transformations. 
a lot of businesses, and a lot of businesses do these days is project-driven and transformation-driven. Um, businesses change all the time. And I think it's finance obligation almost owners to be at the forefront of that. Now, finance leaders can play a great part in that. They can, for example, really help to identify the value of transformation. You know, yeah. where, where, does, where does the future value come from of the new processes, the new products, the new markets, the new, new geographies that, um, that organizations expand into? Um, that can help to keep the stakeholders honest. Yeah. Anybody who's been through a transformation, to a big transformation program, uh, will know that at some stage it is actually more fog than light. You know, yeah. it's hard to establish the true status, the impact on costs, the impact on benefits, etc. Now, finance, with their natural financial acumen and professional skepticism, mm -hmm. they are well able to challenge the stakeholders, yeah. to challenge the teams, and establish you know um, where things are really at. They also have a really important role to play in shaping the organization of the future, um, both the finance organizations and, and wider. And part of that will be, okay, what, what skills, what career paths do we actually want to people? I think it's really important that finance leaders understand that, you know, having exposure to the business and allowing people to move around business units and then maybe coming back to finance and bringing all that knowledge is, is a really valid and important career path. And lastly, again, you know, um, finance adding value. It's important that finance is seen as a leading example of change and leading example of, of transformation. So that could be that could you know take the form of being really positive in communications about change. It could take the form of bringing their best people and releasing their best people for transformation programs. It could take the form of you know creating quick wins yeah. uh, and actually adopting quickly to the new technologies. So finance, you know, often seen as being with the gray sort of mouse in the corner there, uh, really has an opportunity to step forward, embrace change, and you know stipulate a positive example for an entire organization. Yeah, actually, in America, for example, some companies in America. When the event director or the head of the company uh, retires, so is the CFO gets that role. And sometimes, if they're an older person, they're now willing to change or adapt. Absolutely right. So I think if you think about from from an individual's perspective, if you're maybe in your you know early 60s, late 50s, technology change or just generally change can be quite daunting. And you have to ask yourself, you know, oh, do I really want to be bothered with this? And you know, so I'm going to do my next few years in the job and then and I retire happily. Um, clearly, not everybody is like this, and yeah. you find lots of examples for the opposite as well. Um, but there is often a bit of a generational a generational gap. Yeah. yeah, and then they might feel basically if you have to uh, uh, change and add new technology to the company, they see the cost something they don't want to spend. They don't see the long term benefits and savings because they know in ten years I'm gone, so I won't see any benefits when I'm when I'm here. That's absolutely right. I mean, costs come in very quickly. Benefits yeah. often come later. Um, the, the whole benefits identification and tracking is, is an interesting uh, is an interesting point anyway, um, because a lot of the benefits only really become much clearer as as big transformation programs progress. Yeah. Right? To give you an example, you know, there's there's a large automation program we're we're doing with one of our clients, and the processes are very complex. So we're talking about thousand process steps, you know, that get automated and so forth. Yeah. Now, to get the, to the true benefits of this, you really only get there towards the end when it's actually much clearer in detail how the processes will work in the future, how the people yeah. will operate, etc. And and that's not unusual and there's nothing wrong with that. But the important thing is to keep keep track of that and you know predict and also push the boundaries of where the benefits could come from. I'll give you another example. Uh, a lot of the automation projects uh, start from the premise that okay this is all about either capacity release or maybe headcount reduction and, and efficiencies, etc. 
Yet what companies are telling us at the end of an automation project, it is often the visibility they get of the project, yeah. uh, of the process. Um, the digital trail that they have, which they can then use to, say, process mine the entire process. So they see a lot more benefits in hindsight coming from there, but not many people thought about this on the outset. So I think you're absolutely spot on. You know, I think benefits measuring, benefits identification, there's, there's a lot more that organizations and particularly finance professionals can do to help there. And I guess also if you get around you a team that is young and, and hungry and eager to embrace new things that help because they can take the workload of the CFO and make sure he does his job and they can help them. When it comes to reporting what's going on, they can tell them what they've done and how it works. Absolutely. Um, if you think about it, you're, you're spot on about the, um, the hunger and the ambition of, of, uh, of the young folks that come into the organization. And, and I don't sound quite old now myself, and I guess I'm quite old. But um, there's absolutely an element of, if you like, releasing that capacity and enabling your people to, to do all of that. Now, again, that could take the form of sending people around the business or giving them key roles and transformations and, and projects. Yeah. Now, projects are always a great way for talented people to shine. Yeah. You know? So do empower the people. You know? Do give them the roles that they can actually go out to the business, get the requirements, and, and empower them also to challenge and, and to be intact. That, that's what people love. You know, they want to use their brains. At PwC, for example, we do request, uh, recruit the, you know, at the top end of, of yeah. the, the graduates. <coughs> and they, they do want to use their, their intelligence and so forth. So yes, you know, same for other finance organizations. Do, do give them the, the tools and the capabilities and do develop the skills of the people so they can actually go out there and do their job. And if you tell somebody you're going to lead a project, that's going to make them more, more want to get involved and happier because that you actually believe in that person. Also, uh, yes, also uh, projects obviously operate at a different pace and yeah. cadence to your normal business as usual. And in reality, a lot of the, the business as usual is still stuck in period ends of rhythm and cadence. Whereas projects that can be quite exciting, you yeah. do something new, you do that pace, you know, there's a bit of pressure, et cetera, et cetera. Some people take to this like fish to water, yeah. others find it more difficult. Yeah, I guess if you're not used to working as a team or leading a project, it's going to be hard. But once you get into it, you get used to how it works and then you're told, oh, normally you have three weeks to use, but we'll give you three or four months because we actually want this done properly. And that gives them a more chance to shine. Uh, it, it does, it does. In, in reality, there are obviously clearly often time and, and cost pressures, etc., yeah. to get things done very quickly. And, uh, you know, everything in life, is, I guess, is a compromise. And particularly on projects, you often have to sort of find the right sort of 80-20 split or, yeah. you know, the, the right sort of way to, to work around deadlines <coughs> and so forth. Um, but at the same time, uh, again, projects are, and transformations are a great way of learning very quickly, you know. And also it helps to link... Uh, to link what people will be doing in the future uh, yeah. to a purpose, which is, I think, a very important aspect of uh, where finance, need, finance needs to go. Again, you know, what, do, what is finance actually there for? And if, if finance leaders can articulate the purpose and the vision for the finance function and then have, you know, projects and initiatives that align yeah. with that vision, that, I think, is, is really good, uh, a really good prospect for, for people to sort of, you know, go through and develop and, you know, have an exciting workplace. Yeah, because I guess if they're given the chance to shine, they're going to show their boss they can do this, and they're going to show that the CFO department and and, and his, his teams are actually doing a good job. Absolutely, and the the let's call it the older generation, or maybe the more senior folks, they should not be afraid of learning from the from the very youngest. I mean. Uh, and at PwC, we have a reverse mentoring scheme yeah. where some of the more senior people are being mentored on technology and others by, uh, by, some, of the more, uh, by, by some of the younger guys, by some of the millennials, etc. Yeah. And that has worked very well. And, you know, again, for, for, uh, for us, you know, uh, as, as the older generation, let's say, it's a great way of learning very quickly and a great way of, of making the staff feel valued as well. 
You know, I think at times, like Steve Jobs had a great quote, stay foolish, stay hungry. And if you're an older person, you're going to be foolish now. You don't want to learn. But by being hungry, getting you hungry, make, make, uh, people in your team to do the work for you. Um, yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. The, um, there's an element of, you know, learning quickly. Um, so, I'm, again, embracing change yeah. and, uh, yeah. Yeah. And I, I guess, basically, what, when we're talking about one more thing we're going to just briefly mention. Have you any tips for finance leaders so that they can embrace their changing landscape? Um, yeah, I think, I mean, we talked a bit about vision and purpose. And, you know, yeah. I don't know who said it, but someone was saying, look, if people have visions, they should go to the doctor. So, um, yeah. Well, you know, I think it actually it is important that people do create a clear, you know, a clear line of sight, what the future will look like, etc. So I think that's, that's a really important starting point. Then the most important things finance leaders can probably do is just helping to instill a culture of, of innovation, a culture of excitement, I guess, yeah. you know, a culture of, you know, allowing risk-taking, uh, allowing failure as well. Um, when we did our research, one of the, uh, one of the biggest barriers that came through was to change is the mindset. Yeah. Again, finance still operates very much in a closed mindset. So, so do come out and still a culture where people can grow quickly. You know, um, where they do embrace technology. Again, where risk taking is, is encouraged. I think that's that's a very important aspect. Um, and then thirdly, there's probably something around getting really close to both the business and to technology. Yeah. So CFOs and CIOs really need to be working hand in glove. Um, CFOs and finance leaders, they do have a role to play in shaping the future roadmap of an organization. That includes the technology roadmap. So which capabilities and skills do we need? Which technologies do we want over the next few years? And that's often not easy to understand for finance leaders because the technology choice is now rather bewildering almost. Yeah. You know, you, know you, have, you have tier one, tier two, tier three ERPs, you have you know, various cloud options, you have automation and so forth. So how do you navigate your way through all of that? And you do need the help of the technology professionals. So I think for finance leaders, it's important to have a really strong relationship with their, with their IT counterparts and yeah. then help shaping you know, the, the roadmap and you know, the future that way. And I guess build a team around you that you can trust. So if, you, if you're not sure what to do next, your team can, can give you advice. Absolutely. I mean, you can't do anything without people, really. Yeah. And, you know, the, the biggest success factor to uh, projects and just to, to business in general is having good and the right people around you. So identifying the right talent, you know, getting them excited about the future and then working with them to implement that. other thing is what finance leaders I should do. I guess it's kind of like being a prime minister where you have your cabinet and they advise you on certain areas. And you, you, you look for them for guidance because you can't do everything yourself. Absolutely right. And, and that's, that's what you want. I mean, you want people to you know, advise you and help you. And you want, you want people to own their own area of, of subject matter expertise yeah. where they can shine, where they can go deep and have the, the finance function along. And I think the, the role of the finance leader is then to take all this diverse talent and forge this into a performing team. Yeah. You go to a scenario where somebody won't, won't take ownership of the project or anything else and the finance guy is left, what do we do next? <laughs> yeah, I think if I understand your question, if yeah. I understand your question correctly, I think you definitely don't want to be in a position where things are being left, you know, yeah. hanging. Hence, you know, it's important that you have that team dynamic where people also take care of each other as well and work yeah. with one another and you know become a become a performing team. Yeah, yeah and uh, anything else with the podcast, or, or do you think you've given them information today? No, I think, th thanks for the questions. I yeah. think they're, they're, very, they're very insightful. I mean, as I said, the, the, the upshot really is that, uh, that there's a lot going on um, in, the, in the business environment and finance has you know, an obligation to respond to that and come out of their shell yeah. a little bit. I think that's probably the upshot of, of, our, of our finding. All right, thanks so much, Jens. Have a great day. Yeah.